The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code ROSS. That's code ROSS for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. It's the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it is. But it's not just any Ross Tucker Football Podcast. It's a Wisdom Wednesday presented by DraftKings, the best DFS site in the galaxy for Week 17, since a lot of you are done with your fantasy football seasons. You know Wednesday means Andrew Brandt can't wait to talk with the former Green Bay Packers executive who now writes for MMQB and he's part of Vayner Sports as a helping them out and he's Villanova Law School. I mean, he, he might have more jobs than me. Might. We'll have to see. Spread the word winner in two days on Friday when it'll be a new year. It'll be 2021. Sponsor confirmation email winner on Friday. Get in on the action. Go to RossTucker.com. Click on the sponsor page. So you see what we got for you. You see all the deals that we have in place for you. And then spread the word winner. You guys know the deal. Easiest contest in North America, at least, that I'm aware of. At Ross Tucker NFL. At Ross Tucker Pod. And yes, I do notice when there are new people that go ahead and retweet or like on Instagram or comment on Facebook or whatever it is. Speaking of comments... Who's going to win the free Cameo-style YouTube shout-out? I love giving these shout-outs, whether you just pay for one on Cameo or you comment at YouTube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. Love doing the shout-outs. And we, speaking of that, we got a patron shout-out today. Kevin Ramondo Jackson. He has been a longtime fan, longtime listener. So happy, Kevin, when I saw that you became a patron. Patreon.com slash RT Media. It's awesome. Almost as awesome as Andrew Brandt. Big show time. The Big Show. All right, so I mentioned earlier already a bunch of jobs that Andrew has. The key, though, is the business of sports podcast. He's been doing that podcast on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast Network for a long time now. It's the best one that I'm aware of. Last week with Joe Banner was amazing. Absolutely. Like, if you're an Eagles fan and you didn't watch or listen to that yet, I'm just telling you, you're doing it wrong. It's the Business of Sports podcast. Andrew, what do you have this week? I'm going to do a rants, Ross. I think I'll do kind of a look back as we approach the end of the year, uh, kind of the top business of sports stories of the year, and then looking forward as well. 
And thanks for the comment on Joe. I just think for people that are interested in getting into sports or people that are in sports that tell me that are with teams now, it's just a fascinating kind of master class between Joe and I, who both manage caps, who run teams, who run contract negotiations, looking into Wentz, looking into other issues around the league. I hope you enjoy it. Last comment, Ross. I heard you promoting fantasy. You're business of sports guy, Andrew. Okay, three leagues this year, out of the playoffs in one, okay, third place in the big one, the one that was the most money, and then won the other. I won the other. This business guy is pretty good at fantasy. Let me just tell you, Ross, I came into that third place game Sunday night down 75 points, and I had Aaron and Devante. And I won by a point. I came into that third place game down 75 points Sunday night. How about that? (laughs) How often do you just pick Aaron Rodgers and Devontae (laughs) Adams because you love them and you're biased? Well, the team that I won, you know, if you must know, I had Mike Evans all year who was crap, right? And then in the championship round, his Saturday game against the Lions, he had 40-something points. So thank God for Mike Evans. Dalvin Cook was a mainstay for me on that team. Allen Robinson and others. So uh, no Aaron Rodgers on that team, but I won. Awesome. Absolutely awesome. All right. So there's a lot to get to, as always, Andrew. I guess I want to start, before we get to the playoff stuff, there's some interesting things going on. Like I just saw this one. Russell Okun. Yeah, is the first player to get paid in Bitcoin? What was your reaction to that? My reaction to that was a was one no way, you know, because how do you do that? Because I had been schooled, have been schooled in cap management and contract management in the NFL for now twenty something years, and it has always been drilled into my head, Ross, from the NFL Management Council that we pay cash, right? This is what we do in NFL economics. At the, when I started, you know, before 1993 in the business, you know, people were like paying off loans or like you could give the money to the agent. I tried that in my early years. Like t- players would say, can you just send it to the agent who manages my money or the financial manager? And I was always told, no way, no way. And then as far as paying off cars, or no. So it was very simple. You pay the cash, they figure out what to do with it. That's where I looked at this Bitcoin thing. And I kind of have been searching around. I've, I've reached out to Russ. I haven't heard back. Um, my understanding, Ross, is it still would be in the quote unquote rules of the NFL. In other words, they pay the money to Russ and as I read an article, it's kind of converted to Bitcoin through a app or through a third party. I think it's called Zap or something like that. So I guess what I'm saying to you is let's be let's be clear here. He's not, at least as I understand it, he's not getting paid in Bitcoin, right? The the Panthers aren't Bitcoining his salary. They're paying it the way they pay every other player, every other person cash, direct deposit, but the direct deposit goes to Zap, which converts it to Bitcoin. That's my understanding. Because I wonder if if it's something different, 
you know, there's a new a new rule game changer in my mind with NFL pay. But as long as it's Panthers have cash, then it goes out and they don't control what happens next. That's my understanding as well. And when there's something like this, Andrew, it's usually that third party, the go-between. They're the ones that spent the money to publicize this heavily for their business so that they can say NFL players getting paid in Bitcoin with this company, whatever it's called. I can't remember the name of it, but that's my understanding as well. Speaking of money, Andrew, and I know we go over this every year, but how how much value is there to NFL teams to make the playoffs from a money standpoint? Yeah, and this is something I'm asked every year, and frankly, I don't have the clear numbers like a lot of people think I should because, just to be clear, playoffs are league events. Regular season are team events. And what I mean by that is when I was working for the Packers, we mobilized for our game day. We did this, we did that. I knew how much you know we were covering, how much everything else was with concessions, with parking. You still know that for playoffs, but they're league events. In other words, when you host a playoff game, you see this cadre of people from the NFL that you don't see during the regular season. And they're running operations, and it's a league event. The real thing we just talked about, same issue with, with we talked about with Okun, the money. And we can get in later about how much they make each round compared to their regular season pay. It's It's peanuts for the stars compared to regular season comes from the league. So say it's 21,000 a game in the early rounds, 25,000, whatever it is, that's not team money, right? That's not money from the Packers or the, or pick a team, the chiefs or or the Titans. It's money from the league that's deposited into team accounts that's paid out. And then as far as economic impact, I think it's pretty much the same, Ross, right? So in Green Bay, a home weekend is probably ballpark, $15 million to the local economy. That will stay the same, right? That's the same whether it's home, whether it's playoffs or not. Got it. Um, Have you ever had any thoughts or input into starter sit week 17 decisions? Is that entirely the coaching staff or does the front office like you ever have any input there especially when there's maybe bonuses on the line or you don't want a guy to get hurt because then you're on the hook if he can't pass a physical in March like a fifth year option kind of guy I guess I'm just curious were you ever in on decisions in week 17 whether to sit or start a guy purposefully no purposefully because you talked about the incentives. You know, week 17, you're looking at getting over the hump for a rushing incentive, a receiving incentive, a playtime incentive. I did not want to be in those conversations. I knew all those things. I didn't want the coaches to know. You talk about something that could really get on the wrong side of players and agents, where coaches know about incentives and sit guys in week 17. That's not good. So purposefully, I say this to you every year, cap contract guys cannot get involved in those decisions because then you got a side eye from the player and agent, like somehow you were involved in him not getting 
that bonus. Here's the unintended consequence that happens week 17 with sitting Ross. The game day roster bonuses. Something I never anticipated, right? So we in Green Bay, we were fortunate enough to have these meaningless 17, week 17s. I had a lot of problems with guys. I should get my game 17 roster bonus. I'm like, no, you weren't on the roster. Yeah, but it was just a, a scratch, healthy, because we were sitting me. I'm sorry, I can't. And that became a source of friction to the point where a couple guys, I had to renegotiate their contracts the next year to add in that $25,000, $50,000, right? Because they didn't get their game day roster bonus. In one year, it was week 16 and 17. Uh, and I'm on the field celebrating going to the NFC championship one year and a guy comes up to me, goes, what about that week 17 bonus? What's going on? <laughs> like we're celebrating going to the championship. Like, so it's an issue. Wow. Um, speaking of an issue, Andrew, I thought it was interesting this week, you know, Booger McFarland made some comments on Monday night football regarding player maturity. And I saw it uh, throughout my time. I'm curious if, if you dealt with that when you were a, a, a executive with the Packers, just players that were really immature, really mature. Maybe you saw some guys, Andrew, during your time in Green Bay that they went from immature to mature, and you were able to see them kind of get over the hump in that regard. Absolutely. I mean, I think like any – I mean, I'm a parent of of teenagers. It's, it's something where you see maturity come through experience and – I would say, Ross, my experience is probably different than most. And players that come through Green Bay, it's different than most. It's different. You know, we were a fishbowl of 75 players, 100 staff, the vast majority of which never lived in a place like Green Bay, Wisconsin, including myself. So we saw a lot of maturity issues in terms of just dealing with the conf confronting the nature of living in a small town, a very homogenous small town for the first time. And of course the weather and, you know, dealing with that, not easy, not easy. And I know players would sometimes come up with buddies that they grew up with. And I had to deal with a couple of those guys who had nothing to do all day. And, you know, it was a maturity process kind of weaning these guys off of the past and looking to the future. Um, it was always an issue, but you're right. It changes over time. And that's why leadership is so important. You know, you have players that people can latch onto. One guy I think of right off the bat, one of the greatest players of all time. And I say that with conviction, uh, Charles Woodson, what a wonderful person he was to have in that role as leader of that defensive backfield. We couldn't have asked for a better person um, where guys just sucked up to him as, you know, like puppy dogs following him around. And that was great. You know, Charles Woodson was an extreme leader, maybe the best talent I ever saw defensively. Um, so there's one, and that's so important. And you see it in the good teams. They have those players. Yeah, and I always say, Andrew, you're not going to find any guys that have played 10 or more years 
that don't take it very seriously and aren't professional about it. It just doesn't happen. Maybe one or two of the most extremely gifted guys of all time, but you talk to guys that are in year seven or eight or more, and you talk even in the media, they they all sound the same, Andrew. Like they get it. it, you know, like they know, they know the time to put in. They know how hard it is. Uh, there's no question. I got to ask you also about something going on. Can I come on that? Because I, I think it's kind of a, a, a bigger issue like leadership, and you, you referenced it. The best, peop, the best people in sports, no matter football, whatever, it always sort of bugs me when the announcers or the post-game interviews are like, you just broke XXXY record. You just passed so-and-so. You just, how do you feel? <laughs> because to me, the best people are always looking forward, Right. You know, you look back on those records when you're 75, when you're 80 in a wheel in, in a in a rocking chair, right? It's the best people don't sort of wallow in the accomplishments they just had, and that's why you see these guys kind of answer the question like, "Okay, you know, that's great. You know, <laughs> I'm I'm worried about the future. You know, that's great. I just did that. I just broke Peyton Manning's record or whatever." But it's looking forward. Those are the best people. Agreed. Um, need to get your thoughts on what's going on in Washington right now, Andrew, with the ownership stuff. I'm at, I, I, I haven't followed it that closely, right? But you just see these like these payments and extortion and I mean the settlement. It it, it just sounds so ugly, Andrew. Yeah, it does. I mean, uh, there's been a lot of focus on the field with some problems they've had, but I think the bigger issue is off the field because everything to me, Ross, as a lawyer is precedent. And we've got precedent now, which at the time I said to you here, this might be concerning. The precedent is the owner of the Carolina Panthers, Jerry Richardson, was pick a pick a pick a phrase, pushed out, strongly recommended to sell pushed pushed out uh, for behavior that was documented by Sports Illustrated that seems seems lesser behavior than what's going on in Washington. So I think January 7th, there's going to be a public airing in front of a judge of all the parties getting together. So the, the, the minority owners that want to sell and they're accusing the owner of what he's what he's done. So we're going to see. But I know people are watching, right? People, executives, like this happened in Carolina. What's going to happen here? So that's something to watch. You mentioned Carolina. I don't remember if we talked about it, how much we talked about the Marty Herney firing last week. That that just seemed to me like Herney wanted to get a jump start on his next spot and Carolina wanted to get a jump start on their next guy. And they realized, what are we waiting for? Yeah, good man. Dealt with him a long time. Uh, knew him from living in Washington, D.C., where he was, and then a colleague in the NFL. And then we worked together at ESPN. You know, I think everyone's saying the same thing. Good man, good football guy. Uh, like you said, kind of seems like a change that happened, you know, later than we thought, because when the new owner came in, a lot of change. The new coach came in, a lot of change. So it kind of took longer than we thought uh, in Carolina. And speaking of Washington, you know, rumors are already circling that he connects with Ron Rivera in bringing that shop 
I'm kind of up to the Washington football team. So we'll see what happens with Marty. You got to check him out on the Business of Sports podcast. Probably the best way to always know what he's up to is to follow him on Twitter, mm-hmm. at Andrew Brandt. He obviously does a tremendous job. Love talking with him every Wednesday here on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Thank you so much, as always, Andrew, and Happy New Year, buddy. Happy New Year. And again, more content for me. You want it? I got a newsletter now, free. Andrew-Brandt.com is where you sign up. Thanks, Ross. Thank you, Andrew. Excellent stuff there from Andrew. Love the Business of Sports podcast. You know, another one you should check out, True Underdog, recently launched by four-time Entrepreneur of the Year award winner, Jason Waller. It's real. It's raw. It's motivational. If you're looking for inspiring stories and killer entrepreneurship advice, head over and subscribe to the True Underdog podcast. Jason Waller is the definition of a true underdog. He was raised in a trailer park, suffered childhood abuse, was kicked out of high school, and became a dad in his teens. After struggling to care for his young family and hearing the words no and you can't too many times, Jason found the power within and used his street smarts to start three companies from the ground up with his latest venture, Power Home Solar, on the path to becoming a billion-dollar enterprise. Look, I don't know about you guys. uh, I love hearing success stories like that. This guy's energy is contagious. Head over to True Underdog Podcast to hear how Jason and his high-profile guests turned their lives around to achieve massive success. Subscribe to True Underdog Podcast on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or your favorite podcast app. Tux Takes. Morning, Ross. Well, it seems like a long time ago, but we got to start today with your breakdown of that Bills Patriots game that you called on Monday night. Well, a couple of things, Bright. Number one, it does seem like a long time ago. It wasn't even 48 hours ago, it was like 36 hours ago. Uh, but man, time is time moves fast these days. Although someone right now listening or watching is saying time moves the same it always has, Ross. Um a couple of things on this, Brian. Number one. If you remember my our Christmas Day edition of the Picks Friday, and we tweeted this, Brian, from at Ross Tucker NFL and at Ross Tucker Pod, I thought that the Bills are going to come out and put it on the Patriots. I thought the Bills were going to come out and beat the Patriots badly, and that's exactly what happened. I mean, it's the fourth quarter, 12 minutes left, and it's Matt Barkley against Jarrett Stidham out there. I nailed that one. And if you'll watch the even or listen to the Even Money podcast, you'll know that was a good one for me. Uh, and I needed it. So, by the way, we're recording that today, this week, Wednesday, Even Money podcast, for those of you that are into that show. Um, but, yeah, I, I nailed this one, Bri. I, I was all over this one. As for the press box food, it's interesting, Bri, because in the um, booth area where all the broadcast booths are, They had a bunch of different sandwich options like cranberry walnut chicken salad sandwich, uh, roast beef sandwich, a turkey sandwich. So I asked around and I found out that they were putting out cups of chowder up in the press box. So I was the only one of the Westwood One crew that walked over, took the elevator up, went to the press box. 
And I sat there, Bri, and I had two bowls or cups, I don't know what they are, of, of chowder. Because when you're at Foxborough, when you're at Foxborough, you got to get yourself some chowder. And that's exactly what I did. And it was delicious. And it was worth it. And it made me very, very happy. I also had the, uh, I had the turkey sandwich is what I went with. It was good. It was good. I mean, it wasn't great, but it was good. I appreciate many options. You know, they had a little Sarah Lee apple pie in there. I didn't do that. I'm, I'm not that guy. I, I don't care for cakes or pies uh, unless I have ice cream. Unless it's That's called a la mode, bro. You probably don't know that. But a la mode is when you have ice cream on it. Um, as for the game, Patriots actually had a quick drive to start the game. But then Demir Bird drops a wide open pass from Cam Newton on an awesome play call by McDaniels for a throwback pass for a touchdown. Ends up being a field goal. And then the Bills went right down the field, but they had to settle for a field goal. They got near the goal line, Bry, and they specifically called plays for Devin Singletary and Andre Roberts because they're trying to break the record for different guys to catch a touchdown pass in one season. Rather than using Josh Allen's arm or using his legs, they settled for a field goal. After that, though, man, it was all Bills. Fake punt. For the Bills, a couple penalties on Adam Butler, Zach Moss touchdown. Patriots actually ran over the Bills for a Cam touchdown. After that, then it was really all uh, Bills, and it was the Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs show. So fun to watch. I mean, Allen, his upside is off the charts. It's incredible. And through a long touchdown pass to Diggs, through a slant to Diggs, First drive of the second half, another uh, touchdown to Diggs, where this time Josh Allen was like backpedaling. I mean, the guy the guy really does remind me of like a bigger, faster John Elway, which is scary to say. Um, it was awesome. Cam got benched. The only other bright spot for the Patriots is their punter is really, really good. That's about it. What about the peanut butter cookies? Do they have any? No, no cookies. No. That hurt, Bri. That hurt. Yeah. Because the only dessert of any kind was this. Sorry, I cut you off there. Go ahead. Kind was those Sara Lee apple pies. So it was a it was a no dessert night for me, unfortunately. But that's okay. All right. Moving on. Uh, let's talk about the Los Angeles Rams. Quarterback Jared Goff did have thumb surgery. Team's going to start former AAF quarterback John Walford. And they also signed Blake Bortles off the Broncos practice squad. Goff is saying he might be able to be back for the playoffs if they make it. That would that sounds difficult to me that you could have a thumb surgery on your throwing hand and be back in whatever it is, 12, 13 days. I would tend to doubt that. But I, I guess this gives him a chance. I don't know. Um, I'm thrilled for John Walford. Absolutely thrilled for John Walford. Same with Taylor Heineke if he gets the chance. Same with Chris Streveler. If he gets the chance, I hope these guys absolutely kill it. I love any time a guy like this who's had to earn it. He's had to go the long, hard way. I love when they get opportunities. And, man, oh, man, I hope they make the most of it. I hope he's the next Kurt Warner. Highly unlikely, but I'm rooting for him. Duck Stakes. 
Speaking of quarterbacks, Cardinals quarterback Kyler Murray might be unavailable for Sunday's matchup with the Cardinals. Uh, Mason Rudolph is going to start with the Steelers against the Browns, and Dwayne Haskins went unclaimed on waivers after his release from Washington. So if Murray can't play, it'll be Chris Streveler, who played at University of South Dakota, played in the CFL. I mean, there's there's like multiple teams out here that have backup quarterbacks that I know very, very little about. Kind of interesting. Uh, Mason Rudolph starting for the Steelers. I think that's the right move. The Steelers obviously don't feel like there's that much of a difference between the two and the three seed. I would agree with them. They didn't get a bye week all year, Bry. You know, the Tennessee outbreak and the Ravens outbreak really hurt the Steelers with both of those outbreaks taking away weekends off they were supposed to have. They haven't got any time off. Let Ben heal that elbow. Let the knee – let them rest and get 100% for the playoffs. I agree. And I think Mason Rudolph will be supremely motivated to beat the Browns, try to knock them out of the playoffs for multiple reasons, including the obvious Miles Garrett one. Haskins going unclaimed doesn't surprise me. I don't think anybody wanted to have to be on the hook for $4 million over the next two years. You know, I think somebody will end up signing him, but they'll try to get him for the minimum and not be on the hook for that money, especially the money in 2022. Tucks takes. Some other notes for today include Rams wide receiver Cooper Cup being placed on the COVID list. Adam Gase reportedly being told that he's going to be fired by the Jets. And as you and Andrew already discussed, Panthers, uh, Russell Okung being the first player to be paid in Bitcoin. So for Cooper Cup, I think he's just a close contact and he should be able to get back by the game. On Sunday against Arizona, I believe that's my understanding. I'll have to check on that because they put him on it Tuesday. So Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Yeah, five days. So he should be able to get back. Adam Gase, I mean, he's going to be fired. So I think it's a little weird to tell him before the game. But I don't know. Um, I, I don't know why you would do that, why you need to do that. But I don't know why the Jets organization – does or feel like they need to do a lot of the things they do, Brian. As for Russell Okung, he's not really being paid in Bitcoin. I mean, the Carolina Panthers paid a third party that Russell Okung wanted them to pay, and then they are converting the cash to Bitcoin for Russell Okung. So whatever. Like I said to Andrew, I don't think this is like a sea change this is the third party that's converting the cash to Bitcoin, being very smart, taking advantage of the NFL and Russell Okung to get a lot of publicity for their business. Although neither Andrew nor I could remember the name of it. So maybe it didn't work out as well as they thought it would. I will say this, though. Our YouTube channel is working out pretty well. Hope you, hopefully you guys check it out. Even if you've just never seen what Brian looks like, you don't know what I look like right now, rocking my uh, Army West Point long sleeve tee. If you don't know what Andrew and Greg and Emery and everybody looks like, Fezzik, even just if you do that, check us out on social media at Ross Tucker Pod or uh, go to our YouTube page, youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. Remember, if you comment on any of the videos, I see every comment. And so as soon as I see a new one, you get a great chance to be the YouTube shout-out winner. And I'll do a shout-out. I'll do a video shout-out for you or whoever you want me to do the shout-out for. People pay for that stuff. 
pretty awesome. Speaking of shout outs, Pizza Boy Brewing, DynastyFreaks.com, Sporticulture, SteakhouseSports.com, and Vision Comics with an X. Even money later today, Greg Cosell, the GOAT tomorrow, and of course, a Picks Friday on New Year's 1st. I think we're done here. Thanks for listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Fantasy Feasts, Even Money, Business of Sports, and College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.